0: Hello, and welcome to the SWIB podcast, where members of the Wisconsin Retirement System can turn for timely information on the investments that help fund the state's pension system. I'm Chris Preisler, communication specialist for the State of Wisconsin Investment Board, or SWIB.
1: And I'm Dusty Weiss, producer of the podcast.
0: The Wisconsin Retirement System is one of the few fully funded public pensions in the country, thanks in part to the strong investment management by SWIB. Because of the unique shared risk reward design of the WRS, investment returns directly impact annuity adjustments for retirees and contribution rates for employees and employers. The challenge is finding the right balance between taking enough risk to make sure the WRS is providing the benefits promised to its participants while avoiding taking too much risk That could cause volatile swings in those annuity adjustments and contribution rates
1: by implementing a sophisticated investment strategy swib has helped position the wrs for a strong future despite the volatility that has been a part of the financial markets over the past couple years but staying well positioned means constantly reevaluating and preparing for what the future might bring today we're going to talk to brian murphy and jim anderson from gabriel Rotor smith and company known as grs They are the actuaries who work with SWIB and the Department of Employee Trust Funds to help peer into the future and keep the WRS on track for future success. We'll talk about how GRS helps SWIB conduct robust stress testing of the system to evaluate and strengthen its investment returns. The
0: SWIB podcast is a regular opportunity for you to learn more about the people and funds that comprise the Wisconsin Retirement System. Please make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Share this podcast with your fellow WRS members and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for other members to find the show.
1: Today, we welcome to the SWIB podcast, Brian Murphy. Brian is a senior consultant with GRS and has more than 40 years of public sector actuarial and consulting experience. Brian serves as GRS's president from 2004 through 2014 and continues to serve on GRS's executive management team. Brian's a nationally recognized actuary in the public sector pension industry, and his extensive experience in public employee benefits covers plans from the smallest to the largest, all major employee groups, and most plan structures. Brian is a fellow of the Society of Actuaries and earned a PhD in mathematics from Wayne State University in Detroit.
0: Joining Brian today is Jim Anderson, who is also a senior consultant at GRS and a fellow of the Society of Actuaries. Jim has more than 30 years of actuarial and benefits consulting experience. He has served public sector clients in Michigan, Arizona, Arkansas, Maine, Virginia, and Wisconsin. His areas of expertise include plan design, funding, accounting, and administration and communication of defined benefit plans, defined contribution plans, and post-retirement medical plans. Jim earned his bachelor's degree in actuarial mathematics from the University of Michigan. Brian and Jim, welcome to the SWIB podcast. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks very much. Great to be here. Brian, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about Gabriel Rotor Smith & Company, or GRS.
2: GRS is a U.S.-based national actuarial and benefits consulting firm focused primarily on the public sector. We serve 40 statewide retirement systems and hundreds of local government plans across the United States. We're dedicated to bringing clients innovative, sustainable solutions that the company helps put into action. We support the long-term success of pension and other post-employment benefit plans, as well as health and welfare plans.
3: And if I may add, over the years at GRS, we've noticed how public employee retirement systems have become a very integral part of employers' total compensation plans. On the whole, defined benefit plans for government employees have been very successful. They have managed to meet the goals of intergenerational equity while providing a reasonable standard of living for the retirees of our various clients. And we believe that our work has helped clients meet their employees' retirement goals. Lastly, we are very, very proud that we work hard with the industry associations that support defined benefit plans through educational opportunities.
1: Jim, you and Brian are actuaries. And I know I have an idea of what I think that actuaries do, but maybe you could lay it out for us. I understand that there are probably a lot of spreadsheets, but what does a day in the life of Brian and Jim look like?
3: Yes, Dusty, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of buttons to be pushed. Many of our clients say, well, just go push the button. Well, it's not that easy. We'll get into the details of our work for Wisconsin shortly, but broadly speaking, the Society of Actuaries defines actuaries as, quote, highly sought after professionals who develop and communicate solutions for complex financial issues, end quote. It's kind of a high-minded definition there, and they're probably marketing to future actuaries as well as us. But quite frankly, as we develop the solutions for our clients, actuaries use a very deep understanding of mathematics and statistics to estimate the financial impact of uncertainty and help clients minimize their risk. And so as we help our clients minimize risk... It's through various areas of practice. As you mentioned, Dusty, whenever I meet a person for the first time, they presume I'm a life insurance actuary. Well, we actually work within life insurance. We work with financial instrument risks, with insurance policies, other potentially risky ventures. And for 80 years, though, our focus at GRS has been working in the public sector retirement system space. So we're working with retirement systems in particular. And day by day, we work with various entities from our internal staff where we work together to combine the people, plan provisions, assumptions, and assets of the systems using those spreadsheets that you mentioned. We work with external staff like at SWIB and ETF to ensure that we have a total and mutual understanding of the work that is to be performed and delivered. And ultimately we deliver that work to a wide variety of audiences, be it from plan participants to retirement system boards to state legislatures.
2: Well, I'll talk a little bit about the details of what we do, but I'll start off with an exaggeration. Those people who know me uh, know that I like to exaggerate to make a point. So let me just say that if you think modeling the weather is complicated, you should try modeling human behavior. I guess technically, if you knew the position of every molecule in the air and every drop of water in the ocean, you could predict the weather exactly because it's all determined by physics. But human people, well, we have this thing called free will. And that's one of the things that we just can't really wrap our arms around. It defies mathematics and statistics and probability and all of that stuff. But the questions we try to answer are things like, well, when will people retire? Will they retire at age 60 or 70 or 50? How long are they going to live after they retire? Maybe they'll actually never retire. Maybe they'll quit and get a different job someplace else. Maybe they'll have an accident or become disabled for some other reasons. We have to make assumptions about all of these things. And if that isn't enough, you know, beyond what humans will do, we have to spend time figuring out what inflation is going to do over the next fifty or hundred years. Is the payroll covered by the system going to grow and at what rate? And most of all, I think you'll find that'll be part of what we talk about today: is what is investment return going to be, and not this year or next year, but for the next fifty or hundred years. And that's really what SWIB, I think, deals with primarily. Actuaries, while well, we get stuck with dealing with the human behavior type situations, and we have to make assumptions about what the SWIB is going to wind up with and what inflation is going to be. At the end of the day, we have to boil all of this complicated stuff down to its essence and express the financial results of whatever we've done in a way that can be understood by policymakers in a presentation that might last an hour or even less, and oftentimes 20 minutes. And so that's the real challenge of our work.
0: GRS has been working with SWIB and the Department of Employee Trust Funds as the actuary for the Wisconsin Retirement System for a number of years. Can you talk about the role GRS plays in helping SWIB and ETF manage the WRS?
2: Well, SWIB invests more than $100 billion, most of which those are assets of the WRS. The investment program affects the potential retirement benefits of over 650,000 people and planned contributions to be made by a quarter of a million current active participants and more than 1,500 public employers in Wisconsin. Our work with SWIB is focused on helping SWIB understand the effects of investment volatility and asset allocation on the benefits of current and future retirees and on future contributions to be made to the WRS by current active participants and employers.
3: In addition to working with SWIB, Our annual work with ETF includes actuarial valuations for funding the benefits of the Wisconsin Retirement System and separately for financial reporting. This includes accounting figures that appear on the balance sheet and income statement of those many employers that we talked about. So each year, we also provide software programs for ETF staff use, information related to Social Security, and calculation in accordance with IRS regulations, particularly Section 415, that potentially impact member benefits. As Brian alluded to earlier, we tend to a lot, a lot, a lot of details in our work with ETF for the Wisconsin Retirement System.
1: And so then, as a part of those duties advising the WRS and helping policymakers set policy, you present three important reports related to the WRS. In March of each year, GRS presents the annual WRS actuarial valuation of retired lives. And in June of each year, GRS presents the annual WRS actuarial valuation of active lives. These two reports provide a comprehensive view of the pension system for the Joint Board of the Employee Trust Funds, Retired Teachers, and Wisconsin Retirement Boards. And then in October, every two years, you present the actuarial overview and stress testing scenarios to the SWIB Board of Trustees. So let's start with the actuarial valuations of retired and active lives. What type of information is in these reports, and why are they so important, Brian?
2: Well, I'll cover them in the order that they happen during the year. And as you said, the first one that we talk about is what we call the Retired Lives Report. This report presents the actuarial evaluation of core and variable annuities being paid from the WRS. We like to keep in mind that these annuities being paid, these are the things that affect current retirees, and that's really what the system is all about. It's about the people who are covered by the system. What we do in this report, or the purpose of the report, is to establish what we call the ratio of assets to liabilities in the two separate funds, the core fund and the variable fund. SWIB comes up with the assets. Those are mostly reported to us. And what we do is we calculate the liabilities. In other words, what it takes to pay the benefits of each retiree each year for the rest of their lives based upon those assumptions we make that we talked about before, mostly how long will they live. The final recommendation of this report is a recommendation for related benefit adjustments, which are called dividends in the case of the core fund, and variable changes in the case of the variable fund. These dividends are important, of course, because this directly affects the money that's being paid to the WRS retirees. Retirees look forward to the dividends because they help them adjust for the effects of inflation that, as we all know, and as we particularly know right now, tend to occur like every year and eat away at the benefits that retirees enjoy. This affects the financial well-being of 225,000 people, and once again, I can just intone that this is about the people and their financial well-being. The dividend process has helped retirees deal with the effects of rising prices over their retirement years. I really hope that it can continue to do so in the future. Right now, we're under a lot of stress regarding inflation and where is it going and is it transitory, is it permanent, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, we certainly hope that the WRS program can be a major help to retirees in protecting their livelihood from inflation. The Active Lives Report, the second and really the biggest report that we deliver throughout the year, covers the valuation of active and inactive members of the system. So these are people who someday will retire, and what we're trying to do in the Activalize Report is estimate what we'll have to have in the future to pay the benefits of these people when they finally become retirees. That's important because it determines the contributions that active members and employers will have to make to the fund, because as these people accrue a year of service, we have to put money in the fund to pay for the value of that service so that that money will build up over their working lifetimes to the amount that they'll need in retirement. So the main result of this report is a recommendation for future employer and employee contribution rates in accordance with the statutes. So each year, the employer rate and the employee rate can change, and usually does, and hopefully by small amounts. And once again, this is important because it affects the take-home pay of 250,000 public employees and the budgets of over 1,500 public employers in Wisconsin.
1: Those are definitely important factors to keep track of, but then things really get interesting every other October when you present to the SWIB Board of Trustees. Can you tell us, Jim, what's included in that report? Yes,
3: Dusty, and indeed, you hit the nail on the head. It's one of the most interesting reports I'm involved with every couple years. SWIB and ETF should be lauded for their effort that's been undertaken for well over a decade now, predating a focus on stress testing Actual results formalized under the actuarial standard of practice that Brian and I operate under, in particular, actual standard of practice number 51. The report for SWIB board members provides an overview of WRS, which is really important to get to know the people, as Brian keeps saying, and what the investment results can do to those people. So we look at the relationship of investment returns to various WRS-specific success measures, while also measuring the effects of really bad outcomes, as everyone can attest to the outcomes, for instance, of the market losses in 2008, for an example. We'll talk a little bit in a second about the asset allocation spectrum, along which we evaluate several points. But we evaluate those points against the measure of success for the retirement system. So our output includes a deterministic stress test, which is like a rifle shot. Consider one really, really bad event, say a 30% drop in assets. But we also look at tens of thousands of investment return scenarios in what's called stochastic simulations. We pull this all together to try to find a sweet spot, quote unquote, if such exists. Jim, you said then you try to find the sweet spot if that exists. What does that mean? Well, Chris, in the study, we start with the asset consultant for WRS, NEPC. And NEPC will supply seven sets of expected investment returns with associated standard deviation. Standard deviation meaning how risky are these investment returns. And NEPC provides us these seven that range from very low investment risk and low return to very high investment risk and high return. I've kind of played my cards already here. You can hear from my words that I'm thinking about risk. One might think that high investment returns should always be sought after. I mean, after all... Higher investment return means lower employee and employer contributions to the system. That's always a good thing for the employer, right? And the employee. But as Brian's been mentioning and we've been talking about, we also want to make sure we protect our retiree dividends through minimizing investment swings. So ultimately, we look at finding a sweet spot in kind of a Goldilocks fashion. You may recall the three bears. She goes into the house says this porridge is too hot, this porridge is too cold, this is just right, this bed's too soft, this bed's too hard, this one's just right. Here we're not talking about porridge or beds, but our focus is that interaction of the contribution rates, the dividend rates, the dividend level, and the asset level. So ultimately, the results of the last study... The 2021 stress testing of the Wisconsin retirement system supported the continued effort to target this Goldilocks zone that provides for positive returns with appropriate downside protection. And the results of our study showed that let's target an expected rate of return in the area of six to seven percent with the risk that such a portfolio might bring.
2: Well, to sum it up, what we're doing is we're providing information to SWIB to help them select an asset allocation that can provide positive return, meaningful dividends and affordable contribution rates with limited volatility. And why limited volatility? Well, if you're a retiree, you like to be able to depend on what your retirement benefit is going to be. Volatility on the upside is great. Volatility on the downside is very bad. If you're an employer, you like to be able to plan for what your budget is going to be, and volatility on the downside is good, and volatility on the upside is bad. So it's a difficult path that we have to walk, and we do our best to help SWIB select the asset allocation that satisfies those conditions.
0: Brian, can you talk about the deterministic stress test and the stochastic simulations? What are those and what kind of information do they produce?
2: Well, first of all, with a stress test, let me say what a stress test means. With a stress test, we're concerned with the possible effect of bad outcomes on the system. We wouldn't consider a stress test to be something like what happens if, well, we get 30% investment return next year. That wouldn't be a stress. That would be a party. So stress means what if something really bad happens? How does the system react to that? So we might assume a certain bad outcome, such as negative 20% return in a particular year. And then we would ask, how would such an outcome affect contribution rates and benefit adjustments going forward? And that's important because these things do happen from time to time. It's very bad when they do happen, and the system needs to know how can it respond to that? How is it set up to deal with a situation like that? A stochastic simulation is different. With a stochastic simulation, rather than assuming any particular outcome like minus 30% or minus 20% or even the party plus 30%, what we'll say is, let's assume that everything we think is going to happen in the long run the way we think it will, except there'll be some volatility around it. So we might assume that over time, we'll get our 6.8% return. But we all know that we won't get 6.8% return each and every year like clockwork if there were such an investment. I'd like to know about that. What's likely to happen is some years we might get 6.8, but the next year we might get 12. The year after that we might get zero, and it's going to bounce around all over the place. And so the stochastic simulation says, what will be sort of the envelope of results that might happen, and what are the worst ones that might happen, and the best ones that might happen with certain probabilities over time? And so it helps us understand how contribution rates and benefit adjustments might be affected, even if in the long term... All of our assumptions are exactly realized. It's just that our assumptions might be realized in the long term, but in the short term, they never are. At least I've never seen it happen in 40 years. Neither one, of course, is a prediction. You know, we don't really try to predict. The world is too complicated for that. If we were that smart, we wouldn't be actuaries. What actuaries do is they model and provide a general indication of the direction and magnitude of the effects of the stressors they're studying. And in the case of Sweb, it's mostly the stressor of investment return and volatility. For the WRS, stress testing can answer the question of what it would take to wipe out all prior benefit adjustments that people have received, because that would be a very bad event. So we would say, what would it take to make that really bad event happen? What would it take to cause contribution rates to rise by a certain amount, an amount that might be too high for the employers to withstand? It could also provide the impact of an inflationary surgence on retiree purchasing power and in contribution rates.
1: You know, Brian, hearing you use the term stress test here, I've certainly gotten to an age where stress test is something that has entered the lexicon of the conversation between my doctor and I, fortunately not a whole lot. But hearing you use the term in this context, it makes me think that the imperative is kind of similar. You subject a system to stressors and make sure that it can handle those should they arrive. But why is it so important then to stress test the WRS on a regular basis? Is the stress testing that you do for the WRS different because of the system's risk sharing model where participants share in the investment gains and losses? And what does that mean for SWIB at the end of the day?
3: I think I'll let Jim take that one. Thank you, Brian. You hit all the high points there, Dusty, in a multi-stage question But ultimately, the unique design of the Wisconsin retirement system, its consistent level of contributions and persistent fully funded status makes it the envy of many statewide retirement systems. I can't tell you how many state executive directors have reached out to me and say, hey, can you make us work like Wisconsin? I say, well, let's go back to 1979 and design the program like it was back then and then live the next 40 years. We might get there. But the elements within this unique system have to be carefully monitored and indeed stress tested on a really regular basis. To look at those levers we talked about earlier, the contribution and dividend rates, the asset and dividend levels, the WRS risk sharing model that you mentioned, Dusty, is unlike any other retirement system that I know of. It results in the case where this investment performance by SWIB impacts participant benefits, serving to increase or decrease retiree dividends, which is a shocker to many in the pension world. You can actually decrease a dividend or what's known as a call out in the real world or it can increase or decrease a money purchase element within the retirement plan for active members that ultimately might affect their retirement benefits. So back to Brian's key point, it's all about the people, right? Thus, SWIB needs to consider these people elements as well as the impact on contribution of investment experience. So this delicate balancing act between the impact on participants, the impact on employer contributions serves to complicate SWIB's investment philosophy.
2: Dusty, I just wanted to make an addition here and say that I really like the metaphor that you used about stress testing as you get older. And I'm of an age where I get that done. And I would say that when I go to the doctor and have a stress test, he doesn't say, well, Brian, sit on the couch and watch TV and drink a pina colada. He says, Brian, let me put some heart monitors on you, put you on a treadmill and have you run a six minute mile. And if your heart does okay with that, then it will do okay sitting on the couch, drinking a pina colada. So thank you for that metaphor. I think I'll use that.
1: Well, Brian, if you're still running six-minute miles, it sounds like your stress test is getting past A-OK. That's good to hear.
2: I think I said earlier in my discussion that I do tend to exaggerate from time to time. The news over the past couple of years
0: especially has been full of stories about pension funds reducing their target rates of return. Brian, what should listeners take from that trend?
2: Well, Chris, first of all, let me say that actuaries prefer the term expected return over target return. We don't think we're setting a target. We think we're looking at an asset allocation and we're looking at capital market assumptions and saying what we think the portfolio might produce. But in any case, yeah, there is a trend of pension funds reducing their expected returns. In 2008, 8% was the most common expected return among public funds. Today, that figure is 7%. And if my memory is correct, I think only one fund expects returns above 75 right now. So in my view, I think listeners should understand that when you're investing $100 billion or more, what you assume about future returns is really, really important. You know, what is 1% of $100 billion? I won't embarrass myself by making a wrong guess right now, but let me tell you, it's a heck of a lot of money, and it really matters to our uh, retirees and beneficiaries and to our employers. An overly aggressive assumption today can lead to what I would call broken pension promises tomorrow, and we've actually seen some of that around the country where pension benefits have been reduced for future employees. In some cases, even COLAs have been reduced and things like that. Pension funds and actuaries have adjusted their assumptions to ensure that they are reasonable given the asset allocation that the funds have, the advice of investment professionals, the characteristics of the retirement plans they serve, and current and expected market conditions.
0: And what are some of the other larger trends and issues that you as actuaries are watching? What are some of the things that are on your radar as you work not only with SWIB and ETF, but other public pension funds?
2: Well, Chris, I think it's on everyone's radar right now, sort of the big I, inflation. Today, we're seeing inflation at levels we haven't seen in 40 years. 40 years, I might add, is greater than the median age of the U.S. population. So over half the people in the country have not experienced inflation at these levels in their lifetimes, and a good portion of those that have were too young at the time to remember what it is. And so that's certainly on our radar. What effect is that going to have on future returns? What effect is it going to have on the purchasing power of our retirees? I think it was George Satayana who said something like, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And so that sort of tells me that since many of us can't remember it, we may or may not be condemned to repeat it, but we really need to have that on our radar. We're also seeing interest rates move up to levels we haven't seen in a good many years, and they're headed higher. We're quite concerned about how these things are going to affect the operation of our clients' funds going forward. We're also concerned about the human effect. It's not just about the money. We're concerned about the effect of inflation and interest rates on our retirees, our active members, on our employers, on the taxpayers, and in particular, I might add, on people at the lower end of the income spectrum. When inflation goes way up, for some people, it might mean, well, I can't buy a new car this year. For other people, it might mean, I need to change my diet. And I think we all need to be concerned about that.
3: Brian, thank you so much for bringing up George Santiano, one of my favorite philosophers. And we talked about items of the past, or you did, in terms of inflation, interest rates, war. You didn't mention the unfolding impact or not of COVID, but what does that hold for us in the future? So we're living in very interesting times, and these are all very, very good reasons to continue building on the excellent work at both ETF and SWIB in monitoring the Wisconsin retirement system as we chart a course through continually choppy seas.
1: Well, Brian and Jim, this has been a fascinating discussion. You've certainly fleshed out a lot of things that I think that many people sit and wonder about when they wonder how their pension system works on their behalf. You've laid it out in great detail today. So thank you so much for being guests on the podcast. As always, it was a fascinating discussion.
0: And thank you to all our listeners for checking out this episode of the SWIB podcast.
1: The SWIB podcast is brought to you by the State of Wisconsin Investment Board and produced by PodCamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. Our producer and editor is Larry Kilgore Third. Thanks again for listening.
0: I'm Chris Pricler.
1: And I'm Dusty Weiss.